0: The Connected Families podcast is made possible by listeners like us. I'm Claire. I'm married to Andrew, and we have three children Levi, Heidi, and Ewan. We spend a lot of time in Papua New Guinea, where we support Bible translation work. We love to connect with each other by going driving together. I hope you enjoy today's program. This
1: is Stacey Bellward, I'm the host of the Connected Families podcast. Have you heard that registration is open? We have been talking about the new course called Sensitive and Intense Kids for months now. It launched and it's open. It's time to go and check it out. All the information is in the show notes. Well, our purpose for this podcast is to guide you to receive God's grace and truth and then to equip you To pass that grace and truth on to your children. Well, if you've been tuning in to all of our podcasts, the last three, at least we do three a month. Also, you might be thinking that we're in a series. We're not intentionally in a series, but these are topics all related to the sensitive and intense course. So last week, we talked about advocating for your intense child with teachers, with doctors. We talked with Mandy Kuda. She's a doctor about when is the right time to get a diagnosis. So today, our topic is on how to empower your differently-wired child. Today, I have three special guests. On the first half of the podcast, I'll be talking to two of our Connected Families Parent Coaches, Katie Wetzel and Corey Thetford. And then, get this, you guys, for the second half, I invited Katie's 13-year-old son, Ryland, to come and join us. He's going to talk about his own personal struggles and just what has helped him through those daily struggles, and that's going to be really fun. That's a treat for all of us. So, Corey and Katie, welcome to the podcast. Hey! Hey! (laughs) Good to be here. Yes. It's so good to have both of you back again. You come on every so often for various topics and we always love having our parent coaches. Well, you know, to just start off the show, I already used the phrase differently wired. And I want to just maybe define that because in my mind, I think it really should be differently and wonderfully wired. And when we use that phrase, we're really talking about the intense kids in our life, the neurodiverse kids, they could have a diagnosis or maybe not. Maybe it's anxiety. They have underlying trauma. Maybe the diagnosis is OCD, dyslexia, autism, ADHD, sensory craving or not. All of the things that, you know, that kids have and that we're working with as parents. And so it's a broad definition is what I want to say. And, you know, the funny thing is that even as I've learned more about all this, I've thought, huh. I think I was a differently and wonderfully wired child myself. (laughs) And I thought that as I parented my kids and just learned more. So, hey, we're all in the same boat, aren't we, Katie and Corey?
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: For sure. And so we're raising these kids and we're learning about them and we learn more about ourselves. So why don't we just start off with having you introduce yourselves And what's some of the differently and wonderfully wired things that are going on in your home that you've learned to parent? So Katie, why don't you start first?
2: Yeah. So I have four kids. You know, I think my first one was that classic sensitive and intense. He was great at school and at church. Well, maybe not in this worship service in Sunday school, he was fine, but The church service was a bit harder, started to wear him out, but yeah, a lot of sensory and a lot of intensity that I had to learn how to be compassionate towards and, and coach him through. And then we started school and my other kids started having challenges around motor skills with handwriting, even just going up the stairs for one of my kids had to work on that dyslexia. One of mine had struggled with reading and we found dyslexia, but even little things like color blindness and big things like OCD and Tourette's, a laundry list. I should probably stop there, but there's a lot of ways my kids are uniquely wired that have presented challenges at home and at school. And we've done a lot of good work navigating that.
3: And is it good now? Yeah. And for me, I'm Corey and my husband, Alan is also a certified parent coach and we have four kids. Ranging in ages from nine down to six months. And I homeschool. And, you know, similar to our journey with finding connected families in the framework, maybe with a child who wasn't responding in the traditional way that we thought, I'm the parent, you're the child. Oh, there's a whole lot more going on here. Oh, the framework is helpful for my entire family. Some of this learning about a different wiring is so helpful. I'm excited to talk today about it, because I think these things we're going to talk about are so helpful, whether you have a child who you would notice as differently wired or not. I mean, some of the things that have come up in our home, like sensory sensitivities or intensities, you know, maybe as Colleen Kessler on Raising Lifelong Learners talks about it, these asynchronies, you might need more support in one area and less in another, and you're just trying to navigate it all. Alan and I have found for ourselves a whole lot of understanding as well.
1: I never knew I was sensory, Corey, and I actually am. <laughs> so working through that and understanding that for my kids has helped me. And that's been that's been something else. Well, you know, this is connected families. Our parenting framework, we start with the foundation and we start with asking what's going on in me. And so we want to start there with this topic because we have to, don't we, Katie and Corey? We talked about that before. We have to. A parent has to start with that question. I can remember when we first got the diagnosis of dyslexia in our house. Wow. What a flush of emotions. It was like relief because now we actually have a name. We know what we're working with, you know, because we have walked through so much struggle of reading and all of these things. And then I started to learn, oh, wait a minute. It's, it's inherited. So guess what? I learned about myself. I have dyslexia and I had to work through all of that. And then it was the shame of maybe how I had parented in the past and how we had talked about some of those difficulties in daily life. And there's just so much, or or maybe even the toxic thoughts and beliefs that I had about laziness or stubbornness or so much emotion that goes on right in that time when we start to learn more. And I have to then start with what's going on in me and understand all of that. And so I want both of you to just talk a little bit about your process of that question, what's going on in me, and how that sets you up to then be there for your kids in a way that's helpful,
2: yeah, Katie, why don't you start? Yeah, I think I definitely start out feeling like i I have to fix something, and then when, I don't understand what's going on or how to fix it. Or even I understand what's going on, but I don't know how to fix it. (laughs) I feel inadequate. I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. failing as a mom because my kid is struggling and and I can't help them get out of it. Or I feel guilty. Like, what have I done that might've caused this? Or, you know, is it making it worse? I feel like it's my fault. And then definitely there are voices. There are people in your lives close or just on social media that will tell you it's your fault and you're doing everything wrong and here's how to do everything right and you know there's a lot of chatter and it really helped me look at it in a different light when i brought it to the scripture i remember it's actually one of my kids like bible stories books the story from john 9 where jesus saw the blind man and his disciples asked was it his sin or his parents sin why he's blind and jesus said neither it's for God's glory that he's blind. Like get teary to talking about it because it was so freeing. Wherever this came from, genetics trauma, who knows? The point is for God's glory. And as I read through that story, then you see all the people who were there debating what had happened. Was it really even the same guy? Was he really blind from birth? And they even went to his parents to ask if he was really blind from birth. And then they talked to the guy, what really happened, and tried to discount Jesus healing him. But Jesus came to the man and revealed himself as a Messiah. And he believed. And so that hope that like these challenges are to bring God glory. And these challenges are to help us see Jesus and to know him. And that reframe just again, brought freedom. Wow. That's really
1: powerful. And I'm sure, Katie, that you remember that story again and again. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It's, you know, for today's situation and next year's situation and 10 years from now and when they're going into college and when they're getting married you know, because we as parents always are needing to come back to the what's going on me. What belief do I am I resting on and behaving out of and thinking from that will inform how I interact with my child? Yeah. Yeah. That's
3: such a good practice to do to stop, put a little pause on the anxious thoughts, whether they're about yourself or your child, and to take it to the Lord and go to his word, go to him in prayer. What's going on in me? You know, I think that that work of our foundation of what's going on in me, before we can even correct our children or coach them, even if we've got really great tools. And We're listening to this podcast and we're going, oh, that's a good tool. That's a good one. I want to try that. Before we even do that, we're even showing empathy for them. Let's step into what's going on in us first because I think that helps us when we are okay, even when our child is struggling. That is the first and ongoing work, taking our fears and anxieties to the Lord, letting Him help us have new graceful truths. I know for me, a fear and anxiety of the future crops up a lot with yep. sometimes with differently wired kids you might have some different behaviors and you might think or i have thought okay i just told my child to go pick something up and they just forgot along the way so then i start spiraling to they'll they'll never be able to focus to get through school or to get a job my child is yeah. doomed <laughs> yeah. but you know if i can take that to the lord and maybe he can reframe that to something like she follows with passion the things that she's interested in it's a helpful starting point before i get into the the next steps of the framework the next levels of the framework
1: and it's work that we need to do all day long right <laughs> for all of the things i'd like to move into some real practical ways that we empower our differently wired kids. So could we start with talking about experiences? Now we've named all all of the different things. And I know between the three of us, we have seen various therapists. And so could we just talk a little bit about that? Like, how have you empowered your kids with therapies?
2: I think therapy is a great opportunity to learn with your child. Sometimes I hear parents really desperate to go to therapy to get their child fixed. And I've been that one. Who's the therapist that'll fix my child? <laughs> but when I enter into it with my child, when I learn what they're learning and I learn how to support them at home, because they're spending an hour of their whole week at therapy, maybe two, if I can learn how to support that at home and how to encourage them and celebrate their progress at home, I can help keep that momentum going and keep them encouraged In overcoming their struggles. And then also a common language, you know, when we're able to find terms that help us both key into what's going on, help us both, you know, learn new words (laughs) for what's happening and what needs to happen. And so, like with OCD, one of the ways to overcome OCD is when the child chooses an exposure. And exposure is not something I can do as a parent, but it has been helpful at times when I've asked my son, well, it looks like you're really anxious right now. Do you want to do an exposure? Well, I invite him using that word, he knows what we're talking about and he can kind of understand what's going on and what needs to happen. And so that's been really a way to empower.
3: Yeah. Katie, I love how you talked about learning together because isn't that just an easy posture to get into? What therapy does my child need to fix this? And even if we're not saying it, our kids know our, especially our differently wired kids, they're pretty perceptive. They know when we've got these judgments against them that they might need to be fixed. Yeah. I love that that you mentioned that. We've had some experience with vision therapy, which is not something that I had heard a lot about before. And one interesting tidbit that I'll just throw out there is that sometimes things like ADHD, ADD, um, dyslexia, it's sometimes helpful to rule out a vision disorder before jumping into labeling it as something else. It can, it can present some of the challenges can be similar in the way that they present themselves.
2: Yeah. It's definitely brought a lot of understanding for me as well as my child. (laughs) It's like you're saying like, oh, okay, some of these other things that helps explain it and we all kind of understand what's going on a little more clearly.
1: Yeah. I loved uh, approaching therapy in terms of we're we're going to learn more, learn more about how we're wired and what will help us work through our struggles. And it's not, yeah, it's not to get fixed. It's to learn about ourselves more and then, and then help. So dyslexia, that was quite a journey, but the therapies that we did were fantastic. We used Susan Barton. And we found a person at our school who could teach that. And it was useful, everybody. It was really good. Let's talk about school because dyslexia, which is it which was in our family, affected school a lot. And I think that accommodations for school work can be really helpful.
2: So what have you found there? Yeah, technology has been a huge help for us. So, My child who struggled with handwriting, we started out with speech to text accommodations. And then my child who's dyslexic, we did text to speech the other way around. And so that's, you know, it's really exciting to be living in the technology age when you have these differently wired kids. There's a lot that's accessible to them because of that. My dyslexic son can listen to audiobooks, and we can enjoy that and share that together. And then I will say it was even sweet when... His younger sister was learning to read, and I would have him help her with those early books because it was covering some basic reading skills and he could feel confident in reading those easier texts, but it was easier for him than her. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So Set working with the school. Success. Yeah. And like we're a family of readers. And so, him having access to audio books, so he's a part of our family culture, right? Of reading books together, enjoying books together.
3: Yeah. When I think about accommodations for schoolwork, we homeschool and there's a lot of life overlap as well. So I'm even thinking about chores that can fall into this category as well, like similar to homework. And I think about this word that is really helpful, a helpful word picture, scaffolding. You know, you kind of Mm -hmm. pick and picture this support. It's temporary. It's not left up outside of a building. It's just there as it's being built and growing from stronger from the foundation up. And so if we can think about scaffolding as we make accommodations for schoolwork or things around the house, we're giving support or just right challenges and taking small steps and then celebrating the wins with a calm heart, not the anxious heart of, oh no, my kid is never going to be able to start their morning chore routine without this little cue that I've provided of playing music for them. You know, they're always going to need me to make something fun. Well, if we can calm our heart down, we might be able to enter that a little bit more. It has helped me a lot to go, you know what? I can make this a little bit easier for them to gain some momentum. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go with the morning chores example. I've got some kiddos who crave novelty and independence. And we start school at 1030. We live out in the country and we have a lot of chores to get done before school the way that makes sense in my brain is make a list and do it in order but i've learned that for my rest of my family you know they might want a little more independence and freedom in that and so yet it might be hard to get started in a, a timely fashion maybe those executive functioning skills of planning ahead and knowing i better start now even though i've got some freedom of when to start I probably should start by this time at the latest, or else it won't get done. The music is a cue that we've used, or visual timers. Those are really fun. They, I don't know if you guys have seen them where they are colored and they count down. Yeah, just some little things that they're probably not going to need in the same way later. But it's more hopeful when we've built some momentum with small steps and celebrated those. Maybe even, you know, sitting beside your child for a schoolwork assignment, you might not have to do that even in six weeks. But if you spend the first few weeks doing that and then gradually taper off, it's just a just right challenge, build some momentum. We're not stuck in discouragement as a parent or the child. So I really like that thought of scaffolding. Mm -hmm.
2: I think it's helpful to go into scaffolding with some clear goals though. And sometimes I needed to talk to the teacher to negotiate that when my kids are in public school. And so listen, my child can barely draw a circle. What is the goal here? Especially kindergarten with my child who had motor challenges, everything was draw a picture. And like, that's just not where we are. So what is the goal of this assignment? And how can we find creative solutions that she can meet this learning goal in the way that's accessible to her? And so that really helped me not feel overwhelmed. And, and then we worked on like, you know, me not over assuming what they're capable of or not, you know, my, my daughter would tell me, no, I want to write this part myself. Awesome. You know, and then I'll write that part, you know? And so we would, we would negotiate so that she would get to do some things herself and build that confidence. And I love scaffolding in that the idea is to begin to remove some of those supports as our kids gain confidence, so they can gain that independence. And I think it's also helpful that You know, we all have bad days, right? Think of how you work when you're sick. Think of how you work when you're sleep deprived. You need a little more support. And so not seeing that as failure or moving backwards when our kids need a little support, but being careful that we keep building up their confidence so they can keep growing. But everybody needs a little more help sometimes. We just don't want to be stuck Mm -hmm. with that message of you can't do it. So I'm going to do it for you. It's like, well, you're doing really great here. (laughs) Let me give you a little more support so you can be successful and build on that. So I can then start to remove some of that scaffolding as we get success. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I
1: would yeah, it does. And I would like to just add that sometimes the scaffolding will not get removed. And I feel like having, you know, kids that are going into college, part of my role has been, what do you need to be successful in life? Like you know, you might not like that you're going to do a lot of, you know, voice recording of your papers. You might not like that because it feels different from your friends, but it's part of your, you know, wonderfully and differently wired personality. And so this is going to be true. Another area in that regard was even editing. You're not going to be able to turn in a paper that someone who is not an editor, you're going to need an editor to look at this paper (laughs) always. Always. Yeah. And that's just going to be the reality. And Mm -hmm. we're going to be good with that. And so part of the scaffolding that I'm doing now, right? Or I did maybe years ago when they were middle school and early high school was timing. If you have a paper to write, what is it going to take for you to have enough time to get it to the person who's going to edit it for you? The dysgraphia of you just get it all going going before you turn it in. So I just wanted to add that. So we can talk yeah, about, I, I love the idea of scaffolding. Sometimes it can go away. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the patterns that we need to support our kids to grow into.
3: Yeah. You were really equipping your kids with life skills. Mm -hmm. And I agree. There are some things that I use as an adult that I think I would have liked to have learned this a little bit earlier, that this is just how I work and how I support myself to get started on something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think of thought about that. Like, okay, the goal is to be a functioning adult by the time we get (laughs) to college. I mean, with my son, technology is a huge one. You can use a computer in college, and even I had family members who used computers when they were took up a whole room at NASA because. And so I knew about this motor skill challenge in my family because I heard these stories about how hard school was, but then they got into occupations where they didn't have to do as much handwriting. So I thought about that. No, you can use technology. And then recently. We were in a situation where the homework was too much. It was just way too much paperwork when he didn't need that to really understand the concepts. He was doing great on the tests, but homework was not only struggling to do it, but mentally and emotionally struggling with feeling like a failure because he couldn't keep up with the paperwork. And so I told him like, you are so smart. You understand things deeply and you have this great curiosity and great questions not everybody needs to be good at paperwork. When you're a grown up, you can hire someone else to do your taxes. You can hire someone else to make contracts for you. Like you don't have to be good at everything that everyone else is good at. You know, this is something that a lot of people are good at and you can hire them when you're doing well at the job that you are good at.
1: Amen. I would like to just second that. I mean, I think the idea of strength finders has just been so healing for so many of us but especially for our differently wired kids, right? We all have strengths and we all have weaknesses and we can minimize our weaknesses, right? Put it aside, hire somebody else and we can work on our strengths. And I love that idea because our kids are gonna have to work harder sometimes in certain areas. Well, that is the truth, but I love encouraging my my daughter. You're not gonna write papers your whole life. This is one season, (laughs) And you will not as an adult probably, or yeah, that wouldn't be a just right challenge for you to go into a job like that. How else have you talked about strengths and weaknesses with your kids? How have you built up their identity? And we'll end with this before we go to the break.
2: Yeah. I love positioning my kids according to their strengths. And so my oldest two definitely were very different my oldest one is a sponge. He learns quickly. He moves quickly. He operates quickly. And my other child moves at a slower pace. He, he takes in a lot of information. He thinks really deeply, but he's very slow to turn it around into action. He's much more of a thinker than a doer. And so that caused a lot of conflicts between them. But as we began to praise each other's strengths and like you know, this is, this is how you each are. This is what you're both good at. How can we use that to have fun together? Like what's Mm -hmm. the advantage? So I remember, you know, them writing stories together or, you know, one would build the Lego set and the other would tear it down. (laughs) And So we found different ways to help their differences, complement each other instead of conflict with each other. Which is what I want him to have when he leaves our home, to find the place that his gifts are a blessing to others and serve and fit within a system. And that not that he has to have every gift, but learning how to use his gift in connection.
3: Yeah, for us, we have uh, taken Chad Hange's idea of Fantastic Family Fun Night as our family meeting. It's called. (laughs) (laughs) And we will often just ask questions or even around the supper table. Yes, I'm from Texas and I say supper. Uh, And we'll say, you know, what would it be like if everybody in the world did such and such in this way? You know, maybe just pulling out some different examples and asking some questions of our kids to see what do you think that'd be like? Um, It brings about kind of a valuing of Other people's strengths and gifts in the family without it necessarily having to be pointed. Like, can't you see that this child has something to offer in a lecture? You know, more curious. We also have really liked picture books to draw out, you know, some strengths of different characters. And one that we like is called The Treasure Tree. And have you guys heard of this book before? Okay. It is by John Trent and it's the, It says the treasure tree, helping kids understand their personality, but it's these four characters who are on a treasure hunt together and everybody contributes in a different way. And they all kind of have a stereotypical way that they go about it, but um, it really elevates the strengths of each of those personalities.
2: Yeah. Just when you talked about family meetings, it reminded me of doing scripture affirmations and one that Psalm 139 about being fearfully and wonderfully made and that your frame is not hidden from God. And especially my child who is more private and tends to retreat and stress. I just remember him at a really young age, really just that hitting him deeply that you, your frame is not hidden from the Lord. And so, you know, you're made on purpose. You're made this way on purpose and for a purpose. And so making like keeping that connection to the Lord, you were made for God's identity. glory.
1: They were made for God's glory. And that's right. I love that. And that's been an important part of our framing too, of all these things, because thankfully, you know, with the internet and with books, we also can use just historical figures, we know who had dyslexia, we know who was OCD, we know what amazing companies and countries they ran and, you know, in things that they invented. And so that's, it's just a fun time to be able to have a plethora of kids books and a plethora of examples to just say to our kids, like you're differently and wonderfully wired. God made you this way. And look how God used other people in history and time to do really great things. That's been an important message in my family. And I know we've heard that even through like the, the Discipline That Connects Facebook alumni group, uh, as we talked about some of these topics there also this has been really fantastic. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Corey, for being here. there is only half of our podcast today, because after the break, we get to invite Rylan on that's Katie's 13 year old son. So he'll be coming on in just a minute. But I just want to say thank you to Corey. And Corey, I know we'll have you on in the future. But thanks for being with us. So yeah, far on this it was podcast. fun.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Is your child struggling again? Are they frustrated and taking it out on everyone around them in an uncontrolled argumentative outburst? It might be a classic toddler tantrum or an older child stuck in explosive patterns. You can turn these emotional outbursts into a big win, a win where resilience is learned and your child feels empowered and capable. Our brand new online course called Sensitive Intense Kids, Navigating Parenting Challenges with Purpose and Hope is open for registration right now. The course is for you if one of your kids feels more sensitive or intense than most kids, or you might need practical strategies to help your child today. In this seven session online course, you'll gain insight into your child's challenging behavior. You'll learn how to connect well when you respond. And you'll learn how to prevent some of those excessive challenges. Then coach your child toward regulating their big emotions and growing in flexibility and resilience. Go to our show notes for links to find all of the details. The community cohort version of this course will run once a year and registration is open right now. All right, we are back from our break. We had a fantastic conversation with Katie Wetzel and Corey Thetford. And for the second half of our podcast for today, I have a treat for you. We invited Katie Wetzel's son, Rylan, to come on to the podcast. Rylan, welcome to the Connected Families podcast. Hi. Rylan,
0: tell us how old you are. Uh um 13. Uh, okay, and in what grade are you? Uh, I'm in eighth grade, but I'm homeschooled now, so.
1: <laughs> You're homeschooled now. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You weren't school before. I'm yeah. so happy to have you on the podcast. Today, we're talking to lots of parents who are wanting to learn new ways To empower their kids. And we've called it their differently wired kids. And so you have agreed to come on and talk about some of the struggles, the hassles that you have in your daily life, and then give the parents a few tips on things that have worked for you to help you in your daily life. So why don't we just start off? Why don't you tell the people
0: listening, like, what have been some of your hassles at school? Like with the homework, like, it's just like, it's just a lot, it's just a lot of homework. And it's like, when I see all that homework, I just like get overwhelmed and it makes it hard to do it. And and also just like getting nervous to ask like people, like teachers and stuff for help. It's really good. Mm -hmm.
1: I think there's a lot of kids that have same struggles in their daily life. What about your daily life? are some of the struggles that you have
0: with eating like picky like it makes like eating food more of a chore than it should be and like I have more limited options
1: so eating is a struggle in daily life well I know you and your mom came up with a few things that have really helped you with your own negative hurtful beliefs and I wonder if you could tell us what one of those things has been
0: Very basic and like helpful thing is just talking about it. It needs to be something like where you can feel safe talking about it. Having them listen is like really helpful.
1: That's really powerful. What you just said is when you have a parent who just really listens when you talk. I wonder, Katie, would you just share like what does that look like having those conversations on a, you know, just throughout the day and a weekly basis?
2: Yeah. Well, one thing, Rylan has a mild stutter. And so I've really had to learn to slow down and listen, because the more personal it is, or the more emotional it is, the longer it takes him to express it. When he was younger, I used to kneel down below eye level. And that really helped open up more and and be able to find the words. So, so just the physicality, the, the brain pathways to create language and express it were really difficult for him at times. And so creating that safe environment, like he's talking about was big. And like I said, my physicality and my patience for giving him the time he needed to find the words and express them. And then, like I said, you know, giving him a chance to explain how he's feeling before we talk about what the issue is, because like he said, there's nervousness and there's overwhelm. And so there's a lot more than just the nuts and bolts of what the challenges that are keeping him from completing things that he might otherwise be able to do. And so kind of creating some space for if he's feeling discouraged or overwhelmed or nervous or what he's anxious about, what he's afraid of with this challenge, before we go into okay, how do we solve this?
1: Rylan, you talked about recognizing a negative bias. How do you do that?
0: Just like the negativeness, like repeating. And sometimes it's just like, it's like trying all the negative things until something works. And like, even if you don't know if it's true or not, just like trusting that, that that's a negative, that that's just an like a negative bias and like just something like attacking you and like that it's not necessarily true. I heard someone say to me
1: once, argue with your negative self-talk. Those negative thoughts that are in your mind. Argue with them and tell them, not true. That's not true about me. Might not be good at one thing, but I'm really good at about another thing. I love that. I think that's what you're talking about—recognizing those negative bias. Well, Rylan, before we finish here, do you have any advice for parents as they're helping their kids with their daily struggles?
0: Of course, like sympathizing and like like showing them you're not just like analyzing it. You're like listening and caring. That is really
1: really good advice. Rylan, and I think that might be even one of the most important things that was said in this podcast today. We're not just analyzing, we are caring for our kids. And that's safety, isn't it? And it's showing love. And we appreciate that that you said that. Katie, <laughs> do you
2: have any final comments? You know, that last statement I will say is because I have tried to just analyze him. He knows the difference. He's experienced me. Coming in, just trying to fix things. And when I slow down and really listen and I'm really caring, and then we move together towards fixing things. We move together, maybe not right away, even maybe we like, we're going to figure this out, but first let's go do something fun together, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So I will say that as an encouragement to parents is just to keep connection with God, Right. Finding your security for yourself and your child and your futures in God's grace and and keep trying to share that connection with your child. And the answers will come sooner or later. You know, the more sometimes you just need more time for more information to even to even be able to know what's going on. So just be patient. And and that the only way we can be patient is by trusting God has us all. And we're back to the top of the podcast where you told the story about John 9, right?
1: All this is for his glory. And I love the the verse too. He, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And he can use it all. It's great. Rylan and Katie, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. If you found today's podcast helpful, will you share it with a friend? Well, we are a listener-supported organization. Over 45,000 parents like you listen to this podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.